0: See you here this morning, and I invite you to take your copy of Scripture now and turn to Philippians, the book of Philippians, and we'll be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, we provided you with one in the chair where you're seated, or if you're upstairs in the balcony in one of the pews, and you'll find our passage on page 982. 982. We've been in the letter of Philippians for some time now, working through this letter, and we are coming close to the end. This morning, we will look at verses 14 to 20, and then next week, Lord willing, we will finish out the letter by just looking at the last few verses. Uh, But this morning, we're going to begin in verse 14, and I'll read through to verse 20, and then we'll consider what God has to say to us from His Word. So Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble... Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Amen, this is God's word. Well, over the last year or two, one of the most encouraging developments in our body has been the opportunity that we have experienced as a church to send out members of our own congregation, uh, to commission them and to send them out to either plant churches or to be missionaries around the globe. And so, just by way of reminder, uh, over the last couple of years or so, we've commissioned one of our young ladies to serve as a missionary in Southeast Asia. Uh, we commissioned another young lady in our church, Michelle Martin, to serve as a missionary in South Africa. Uh, not too long ago, we commissioned Brian and Sidney Burrell to plant a church in Moultrie, Georgia. And most recently, we commissioned the Hubbards, Kyle and Bethany Hubbard, to serve as Bible translators with Wycliffe Bible translators. And so, we just praise God for that. And it's just over the last couple of years. And uh, we are so thankful for what the Lord is doing in our congregation and raising up gospel workers and giving us the opportunity to commission them and to send them out. And as we've been going through this process, it has been helpful for us as a church to be walking through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Because in many ways, this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi is all about gospel partnership. In fact, the letter begins with the theme of partnership. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. And why? Why does he thank God for the church in Philippi? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then as we go through the letter of Philippians, we see this theme repeated over and over again, this theme of partnership. And now as we come to the end of the letter, or at least near to the end of the letter, in chapter 4, verse 15, we read these words, which I just read a few moments ago. Paul writes, And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And so the letter begins with the theme of partnership, and it ends with the theme of partnership. And this is important for us to see in this letter, because if you're a Christian this morning, then God intends for this reality of gospel partnership to play a significant role in your life. And when I speak of gospel partnership, what I mean is is your relationships with other Christians and your relationships with other Christians in such a way that you encourage one another in maturity in Christ, and you work with one another in seeing the gospel proclaimed to others so that they might experience the good news and the grace and the mercy and the salvation that comes through the gospel. So this gospel partnership, being in relationship with other Christians to help one another grow in Christ, to help one another fulfill the mission of Christ, to take the gospel to the nations, it is to play a significant role in every Christian's life, just as it does here in this letter between the Apostle Paul and the church in Philippi. So then the question is, well, how do we do this? I mean, how do we, how do, we do gospel partnership in a way that's faithful, in a way that's effective, in a way that brings glory to God. And the good news is we don't have to figure this out on our own. Rather, God has given us letters like this one that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and other letters throughout the New Testament that that show us the way. And this morning as we look at chapter 4 here in Philippians, what we see is that the Apostle Paul in these verses focuses on the aspect of gospel partnership that is financial. So he focuses on the financial component of the gospel partnership that he has with the church in Philippi. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. You see it there. He he refers to it in verse 15 as a partnership of giving and receiving. And so I want us to consider this morning how faithful gospel partners can give and receive for the glory of God. First of all, let's consider giving. Giving. Then secondly, we'll consider uh, receiving. And then third, the glory of God. So you'll you see how, where we're going. So first of all, let's consider giving. Look there in verses 14 through 16 and we read these words. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once And again, and then if you skip down to verse 18, we read these words, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, one of the ways that we honor Jesus in our Christian discipleship is to honor Jesus with our money. And one of the primary ways the Scriptures teach us that we honor Jesus with our money is by investing in gospel work. And what we see here in these verses is that the Philippians did just that. In fact, the Philippians are a model for us of faithful, sacrificial, generous giving. Notice this in the text. In verse 14, Paul says that they made a conscious decision to share in his trouble. Now, when he refers to his trouble here, what he's referring to is the fact that he's in prison. Okay, so when Paul wrote this letter, he was writing this letter in prison from Rome. And he says that the Philippian church was intentional to share in his trouble while he was in prison. Now, how did they do that? We'll go on, look a little further down in verse 15, and he says that in the beginning of the gospel, so when the gospel first came to the church in Philippi, And they heard Paul preach the gospel, and they repented of their sins, and they trusted in Jesus. He says, when they first heard the gospel, verse 15, they entered into partnership with Paul in giving and receiving. So we can imagine what takes place here. Paul goes to the city of Philippi, he preaches the gospel, they repent, they believe, a church is established, and immediately they begin to support the Apostle Paul as he stays there in the city of Philippi and ministers to the church there. Uh, wasn't too much longer after that that Paul had to leave the city. But it's apparent from these verses that the leaders of the church, so we think about the church in Philippi there, they would have been giving to the church, right? And the leaders of the church led the church then to set aside a portion of that giving to then send it forward to Paul in his ongoing missionary endeavors. This is apparent. So, so he says there, Most recently they've given to him in his trouble while he was in prison. And, 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 and he talks about how they had given to him in his trouble. So if you look down at verse 18, you see that they had given to him in his trouble actually at great personal cost. He says that, that they sent a member of the church in Philippi, Epaphroditus, to deliver the most recent gifts. He says, I have received, verse 18, full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So they didn't just wire the money to Paul's account They didn't send him a check in the mail. Not that that would have necessarily been wrong. But they sent one of their own to personally deliver the gift to the Apostle Paul. And we also learn that as Epaphroditus went to give this gift personally to the Apostle Paul, that he did so at great personal risk. So if you might remember back in chapter 2, we learn that in Epaphroditus making this journey to the Apostle Paul and giving him this gift and being with him and ministering to him there in prison, that he almost lost his life. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 to 30, we learn there that Epaphroditus nearly died in his effort to deliver this gift and to minister to the Apostle. So the church has been faithful. They've been faithful to give. They've been faithful to give to to Paul while he's in prison. But not only that, Paul goes on in verse 16 to say that even in Thessalonica you sent me help. So Paul's backtracking a little bit now, and Paul's talking about the fact that when he was in Philippi, the next city that he went to was Thessalonica. And he says, even when I left Philippi and I went to Thessalonica, you continued to support me. You continued to send funds. And he says that you didn't even do it just once. He says, you did it once and again. In other words, multiple times you sent to support my work while I was ministering in Thessalonica. So, so, So you see here from these verses now, we get a picture. Paul ministers to the church in Philippi. The church is established. They become Christians. They support Paul when he's in Philippi. He goes on to the next city, Thessalonica. They support him again and again, repeatedly. Then he even says that when he left Macedonia, which is the region where Philippi and Thessalonica were located, they were were a church that supported him beyond that. And now that he's in prison many years later, and he's in trouble, they are still sending to support him in his gospel work. And is it any wonder then that Paul, and we see this throughout the letter to the Philippians, is it any wonder that Paul was so thankful for the church in Philippi? What Paul is is, is doing here is he's drawing a picture for us of a church that was faithful and consistent and sacrificial and generous in their giving from the time that they first heard the gospel and trusted in the Lord Jesus. Now, my friends, we see an obvious principle emerge from the passage here, and it is this, that God has tied together the success of His mission with the generosity of His people. God has tied together the success of His mission with the generosity of His people. We could say it this way. God intends for the mission of God to be funded by the people of God. And as I think about the Apostle Paul writing the church in Philippi here and commending them for their faithful and sacrificial giving, I can't help but say this morning that I am so thankful For so many of you here this morning who are members of our church, who are faithful, consistent, sacrificial, generous givers to support the gospel work here at Crawford Avenue Baptist Church. So much of the ministry that we do here at Crawford Avenue is a result of your faithful giving. And we sense here that as as Paul writes to the church in Philippi and as he commends them and applauds them for their faithful giving, there's there's a sense in Paul of of joy, there's a sense of pride, there's a sense of gratitude. Paul doesn't take this for granted. In fact, he recognizes, he acknowledges here in the text that not all Christians, not all churches are so kingdom-minded Right, Paul says. Actually, if you look there in verse sixteen, he says, "When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only." In other words, the Apostle Paul says he could he could pull up his uh, missionary support spreadsheet and all the churches listed that could possibly fund him in his missionary endeavors. And at that point in his ministry, there was only one church that supported him in his work, and that was the church in Philippi. And so he doesn't take that for granted. And he says, I, I commend you, I applaud you for your faithful, sacrificial, and generous giving. And listen, as I, as I think about the faithfulness of so many in our congregation who give. Whether it's to the faithfulness in your monthly tithe, or it's the faithfulness to give to missionaries even beyond your monthly tithe that we have sent out from our church, or your faithfulness to give to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we collect every year to support missionaries all over the world. I will have to say that I I have a, a sense of pastoral pride. In the best sense. Because that is evidence of God's grace at work in your life and in our church, and I commend you for your faithfulness. Notice also that Paul not only commends them in their giving, but Paul also encourages the Philippians in their giving. And he encourages them that when they give, they can be confident that in their giving, God will provide for them. You see this in verses 18 and 19. And Paul knows this, if you follow the logic of the passage, Paul knows this. He knows that as they give, God will provide for them because God has been so faithful to provide for Paul, right? So so Paul begins the passage in verse 15 by saying he's in trouble. He's in prison, right? But verse 18, they've delivered this gift through Epaphroditus. And in this gift coming through Epaphroditus, through the church of Philippi, in particular Epaphroditus, Paul's received it in prison, and he says in verse 18, I am well supplied. I have everything I need. And then immediately following that, verse 19, he says, And I am confident that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So you see the logic. Paul says, I know that the Lord will provide for you because He's always provided for me. In fact, He just provided for me through your generosity. And so you can be confident that as you give to the Lord, He will meet you in your giving, and He will provide for you. In offering this encouragement, Paul really is acknowledging that giving is an act of faith. Christian giving is an act of faith. The Bible teaches us that We don't give just because we have so much money we don't know what to do with it. And so we take a little bit out here that, you know, we we don't know what to do with it anyways because we have so much and we'll, we'll devote that to the church or to gospel work. That is not what the Bible teaches us about giving. Rather, the Bible teaches us that we give and we make sacrifices to give And we faithfully give, even sometimes we don't know how it's all going to come together, because we believe that the Lord will provide. In this sense, giving, Christian giving, is an act of faith. And this is a really important point for us to make, because over the years I've noticed that there's been a kind of a revitalization among Christians and and having an interest in in learning what does the Bible have to say about how we manage our finances. And and, and that's wonderful. Um, There's a number of speakers and authors who are popular in this movement. Uh, You probably know some of their names, Larry Burkett and Dave Ramsey, and there's others as well. And I've gone through some of that material and read those books and listened to talks and so forth and benefited from it, and there is much good But if I could make one critique, it would be this, that not in all the material, but in some of the material, they either teach explicitly or at least give the impression that the ultimate goal financially for any Christian is either one, to get out of debt, or two, to build a retirement for yourself so that you'll be set for the rest of your life. And so sometimes what is communicated is that what you need to do, really, if you want to honor the Lord with your finances, you need to set these financial goals like getting out of debt and uh, and setting aside your retirement and making sure you're going to be secure in the latter part of your life. And then once you reach all those financial goals, then you should give generously to the church or you should support gospel work. Let me just say, my friends, biblically speaking, That is absolutely backwards. It is completely the opposite. In fact, the Scriptures teach us explicitly over and over and over again that the Lord is worthy of our first fruits, that God gets the first, that God gets the best. He doesn't just get a portion of our surplus once we reach all our financial goals, but whatever He gives to us, He gets the first and the best right off the top. And the joy in living like that is to see that God, when we put Him first, is always faithful to provide. That God meets us in our giving. And God meets us when we're faithful to act by faith and to step out by faith and to give. And He meets us by providing our needs. On this point, I'm so thankful that my grandparents and my parents as well taught me at a very young age, that 10% was a good standard to start with and that the first 10% of whatever I earned or whatever was given to me, that that belonged to the Lord. And then they would often follow that up by saying, and son, remember, you can't outgive the Lord. And you know what they were doing? Responsibility, promise. They were doing exactly what the Apostle Paul does here with the church in Philippi. Yes, I commend you in your giving. And you you can't and then encouragement, and you can give, because as you give, the Lord will provide. I have tried to honor that principle ever since I was a young man. And I will say that by God's grace, I have not always had everything I wanted, but I have had everything I needed. God has always been faithful to provide. So here's the principles of giving. Paul commends them for their giving, for their faithful, sacrificial, generous giving. And he encourages them that they can continue to give because God will meet them in their giving as they step out in faith and give to the Lord's work. So secondly, let's look at this idea of receiving. Let's look at this idea of receiving. This we find in verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul writes these words. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So what we see here in our text is that not only do the Philippians model for us what it means to be faithful, sacrificial, generous givers, But on the flip side, the Apostle Paul models for us how to be servant-hearted and grateful receivers. Okay, Now this is important for us to see for a couple of reasons. One is because some of you will at some point in your life be put in a position where you are receiving support from others for the sake of gospel work. Maybe God calls you to the mission field. Maybe He calls you to full-time ministry. Maybe you, you take a mission trip and you have to raise support for that mission trip. So it's important for us to see it at that level. But it's also important for us to see what's happening here because even as givers, we need to see what type of people we should be partnering with and investing in. And the Apostle Paul models for us here the types of people that are worthy of our partnership and gospel investment. Because when we think about where are we going to partner and where are we going to invest, it takes discernment. In fact, if you were to turn on the quote-unquote Christian TV... I can almost guarantee you that nine out of the ten people that come across the screen are not worthy of receiving a dime from any of us. And we need to have discernment to know where do we invest our dollars? Where do we give to support genuine gospel work? Paul here models for us what it means to be a servant-hearted and grateful receiver. So notice he's servant-hearted in verse Seventeen, He says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, that's remarkable, isn't it? Paul says, listen, church in Philippi, I am thankful for the gifts that you've given. I'm thankful for how you're supporting my missionary work. But I want you to know that I'm thankful not primarily for my own personal benefit, but for the spiritual blessing that it's going to bring to your life. In other words, what we see here is that Paul is fundraising with the mind of Christ. Do you remember how important the mind of Christ, that idea, that theme is in the letter to the Philippians? It's back in chapter 2. And do you remember what the mind of Christ is? The mind of Christ, according to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, is to not only look out for our own interest, but also to look out for the interest of others. The mind of Christ is the attitude, the disposition that caused the eternal Son of God to give up the rights of heaven, to enter into the brokenness of this sinful world, to sacrifice the protection of His Father, and to take upon Himself the torture and death of the cross. And why? Why did He do all that? He did it for our sake. He did it in our interest. He did it for our benefit so that through faith in him we could experience the benefit of forgiveness and redemption and salvation and eternal life. This is the mind of Christ and Paul wants to think about everything with the mind of Christ, even raising funds for his missionary work. And so he writes to the church in Philippi and he says, listen, I am thankful for the gifts that you're giving, but I want you to understand I'm not thankful primarily, ultimately, for my own benefit, but I am thankful for all the spiritual good it will do in your life. You know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people assume that when pastors preach on the matter of giving, that they must be doing so for selfish reasons. Maybe to get rich, um, to build their own kingdom. And I can sympathize with that because there are so many people, there are so many people who get into ministry or pursue ministry and have abused it for their own personal gain. I gave some examples of that when I was talking about some of the televangelists on TV earlier. You know, Paul says that in his own day there were men like that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5, Paul warned Timothy of men who are false teachers, who imagine that their godliness is a means of financial gain. But we need to remember that even in Paul's day, as there were those who used the gospel as a means for financial gain, there were also faithful men like Paul and like Timothy and like the elders at Philippi and other faithful gospel workers. And by God's grace, there are still faithful gospel workers today. Generally speaking, I would say that I believe that the motive of most faithful, Bible-believing, gospel-believing pastors, when they come to texts like this, is very much so the motive of the Apostle Paul here. It's not to say that the Apostle Paul or even faithful ministers today are perfect but just as the Apostle Paul had pure motives in his pursuit of gospel work, there are faithful pastors and faithful churches that are marked by pure motives in gospel work. And we need to praise God for that. So, so even as I come, just, just kind of being honest with you, even as I come to a passage like this, I'm teaching and preaching on giving this morning, In all honesty, yes, there is a sense in which I want people to give to support the ministry of Crawford Avenue here because I want the ministry to be well-funded and I want the ministry to be effective. But I can also say with honesty that I am especially burdened when we come to texts like this. For those who might be here this morning who have yet to step out in faith, and trust God with their finances, and give for the sake of the gospel and the building of God's kingdom. I am jealous for you. I am jealous for you. I am jealous for me that we would experience the benefits, the spiritual blessings that comes by walking by faith with our money before God. Because I am confident that that if you do, in fact, do so, that your faith will increase, that you will experience more of God's provision in your life, that you will be investing in eternal realities like people coming to faith in Christ and disciples being matured in the Lord and people who have never heard the gospel, hearing the gospel for the first time and churches being planted and the poor being fed. And like, I want that for you. And I am confident as well that as you invest in that work, You are storing up for yourself treasures in heaven that will never, never rust, never rot, never be destroyed, but you will enjoy for all eternity. My friends, listen. There there is a pure, godly, biblical admonition that we should speak to one another. That is in no way sinister, that is in no way deceptive or dishonoring to God, that says, Honor Christ with your finances. He will meet you in your giving. You will glorify God and it will be good for you. And that's what Paul is doing here with the church in Philippi. He says, I rejoice in your giving, but I want you to know, not finally, not ultimately, for my own personal benefit, but because I rejoice in the fruit that will increase to your account. Now, the other way that Paul is an example for us is not only is he servant-hearted as a receiver, but he's also grateful as a receiver. Look there in verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, I think there's a couple of principles at play here that we should see. One principle that I think we can deduce from this passage and is clearly taught in other passages is that churches have a responsibility to provide well for their pastors and their missionaries. And the church in Philippi models this here by their generosity to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, through your gift, I am well supplied. But there's another principle, and this is the one that's emphasized here in this text. So that's, that's on the side of giving. The other principle is on the side of receiving. And this is the principle that Paul was grateful for God's provision through the Philippians. Do you see that in the passage? He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Now, Paul, obviously here, is grateful, he's thankful, but we need to remember that as Paul writes these words, Paul is in prison, right? And and I imagine that whatever gift they gave to the Apostle Paul, I trust that when Paul opened it up, it was generous. He thought, wow, this is more than I expected. And yet, we need to remember, the Apostle Paul was in prison, So Paul is teaching us that a Christian can be in prison and be well-supplied. That those two things are not at odds with one another in Paul's mind. And so this teaching that Paul has been giving to the church in Philippi in the earlier chapter about rejoicing always and and being content and being satisfied in the Lord, now Paul is modeling it for the church in Philippi. He says, I'm in prison, but through your gift, I am well-supplied. I am thankful Now, just contrast that with current prosperity preachers on TV today. Like some extreme examples, Jesse Duplantis raising money for a $54 million private jet. Or Crefro Dollar raising money for a $65 million personal jet. Could you imagine any of those men saying, I am well-supplied? I have everything I need. No, they always want more and more and more and more to satisfy their own personal greed. In contrast, the Apostle Paul says, I am well supplied, I am thankful, I am grateful for your generosity. Listen, my friends, we have a responsibility as Christians to partner with, And invest in gospel ministries that, yes, provide well for their pastors and their missionaries, but also are not fronts for pastors and missionaries to extravagantly enrich themselves for their own personal gain. We have a responsibility to partner and invest in ministries like the Apostle Paul, who was genuinely interested in the spiritual good of others and genuinely interested in the advance of God's kingdom. And I believe the Apostle Paul would say, when you find a ministry like that, when you find a church like that, you should give. You're not necessarily going to agree with every financial decision that is made. But if that's the general attitude, the general approach, the general disposition, you should give and you should give generously and you should give sacrificially and you should give faithfully and you should give joyfully knowing that the Lord will meet you in your giving. He will provide for you and spiritual blessings will abound in your life. So, Giving, receiving, and then third, the glory of God. Now, we're not going to spend much time on this, but verse 18, notice this. Paul writes, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, I think this is so encouraging. Notice what Paul does here. Paul likens... The financial support of the Philippians for his missionary work, he likens that financial gift to Old Testament sacrifices. That's the language that he's using here. The language of Old Testament sacrifices, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. All right, so, so your giving, he's saying to the church in Philippi, is an act of worship. As you give, you're worshiping the Lord. Just as in the Old Testament, they would have offered sacrifices to the Lord in worship. You are glorifying God. You are worshiping God through your giving. And notice as well, he says that it is an acceptable and pleasing sacrifice to God. Now, I I love when the Apostle Paul talks this way in the New Testament. When he talks about, he, he encourages Christians to in their work, in their giving, in their ministry, that they are pleasing the Lord. Because I think some Christians, sometimes we think, there's no way I could please the Lord. And although we might not say that, that's kind of how we relate to the Lord. That's our, our disposition towards the Lord. We just think that the Lord's always going to look upon us with a frown. There's no way we could ever please Him because we're finite, broken sinners. How can I please an eternal, transcendent, holy God? But listen, the Apostle Paul wants us to know this morning, we can please the Lord. And if if you are a Christian, if you've repented of your sins and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, understand this, you've been washed and cleansed of your sin. You've been given a new heart in Jesus Christ. You've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. You, in fact, stand before the Lord in the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that He is pleased with you positionally. But in addition to that, in addition to your positional stance before the Lord in which the Lord covers you with His grace and His mercy and He's pleased with you, in addition to that, you can now walk in a way, live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. In fact, the truth of Scripture is, it is inevitable that you will do so. As by His Spirit He works in you and changes you and transforms you into the image of Jesus Christ. And one way that you do that is by walking by faith and faithfully, sacrificially, generously giving to support gospel work. Paul says to the church in Philippi, as you sent that gift through Epaphroditus to support my ministry, to take the gospel to people who have never heard and to meet my personal needs as a missionary, you pleased the Lord. He looked upon it and he smiled. And he was glorified. So, this is how the Apostle Paul says that we can partner together in giving and receiving for the glory of God. It's apparent as we look at the relationship here between Paul and the church in Philippi that Paul was able to do far more for the sake of the gospel because of the church in Philippi. And it's also apparent that the church in Philippi was able to do far more for the sake of the gospel because of the Apostle Paul. It reminds me of Lottie Moon. I referenced her earlier many of you know who Lottie Moon was. Lottie Moon was a missionary to China in the late 19th century and early 20th century. She was a missionary to China for about 40 years and literally gave her life so that the Chinese people would hear the gospel and have the opportunity to trust in Christ. She was especially known for writing letters from China back to Southern Baptist women in the United States, encouraging them to collect offerings to then send to China to support the work that was taking place there. In one of the letters that she wrote that is probably more well known, she wrote these words, quote, "...I wonder how many of us really believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive." A woman who accepts that statement of our Lord Jesus Christ as a fact and not as impractical idealism will make giving a principle of her life. She will lay aside sacredly not less than one-tenth of her income or her earnings as the Lord's money, which she would not more dare to touch for personal use than she would steal. How many there are among our women, alas, alas, who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in bringing back a lost world to God." End of quote. This is just one example of many letters that she would write back to the states seeking to mobilize Christian women here to give to the gospel work in China. In 1888, the first Lottie Moon Christmas offering was collected. Do you know how much they received? $3,300. That was probably a good bit of money back then. It was enough money to support three missionaries to China. As a result of that offering, they were able to send three missionaries to China. So Southern Baptists have been collecting the Lottie Moon Christmas offering every year since. And last year, our church participated, we do every year in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we gather an offering, we set a goal, we exceeded it again this last year, and then we send it forward, and all that money goes to our missionaries who are serving overseas. Do you know how much the Lottie Moon Christmas offering raised last year? $159 million to support over 3,500 missionaries all over the world. Listen, my friends, this is just one example of how in gospel partnership with one another, with other churches, we can do far, far more than we could ever do alone. In this sense, in this calling that God has placed upon our lives, I need you and you need me and we need one another and we need other churches and they need us. Just like the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi here. And so as a church, as Crawford Avenue Baptist Church, let us commit to this partnership of giving and receiving so that the kingdom of God might be advanced through our lives and so that God might be pleased, so that He might be glorified in the lives that we live before Him. Let's pray. Father I know that there are many who are here this morning that are faithful, sacrificial, generous givers. And Lord, I pray that this this message and this word from the apostle Paul would be an encouragement to them. I pray, Father, that it would be just an affirmation and an encouragement to keep going. And then, Father, I do especially pray as well, Lord, for those who who just know that they have not trusted you with their finances. Who have not committed themselves to faithfully, consistently giving what they should to support gospel work. I pray, Father, that they would hear this invitation as a gracious welcome to experience more of Your grace and power in their lives. I pray, Father, that they would take steps even today to commit to faithfully giving to gospel work. Lord, we thank You for Your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank You, Lord, that You have called us to be a part of this great mission, this great work of making disciples of all people. And we thank you that we're able to participate in that work through our finances. Help us to be faithful to do so. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.